Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU joins in a crossover episode to discuss the battle of Baton Rouge that is Southern versus LSU. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day day in today's episode is brought to you by upside download the free upside app and use the promo code locked on or excuse me promo code locked to get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more and we have a really fun episode we have our first crossover episode in locked on hbcu history and we're going to be talking to caroline fenton from locked on lsu about the battle of baton rouge Coming in on a little Locked On LSU crossover with the host of Locked On HBCU podcast. We got Darian Gray, the mouth of the South, here previewing the Southern LSU matchup on Saturday in Tiger Stadium. Really pumped to have you on. I really appreciate you coming on so we can talk a little ball, both Southern and LSU as well. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is a game with a historical impact time. So we are going to talk about that for sure. But thank you for having me on. I'm glad we could do this crossover. Yeah, for sure. So just for all the LSU fans out there, you know, Southern's not a a team that LSU plays year in and year out. It's really not a team that they've played historically ever. So just kind of your initial takeaways, your biggest, your biggest takeaways from the Southern team, from what you've seen either from the first week against Florida Memorial an 86 nothing blowout. I mean, it, it was like a basketball score. So just kind of your first impressions and your major takeaways from the Southern Jags team. It's kind of difficult to really take too much away from because when I, I talked about, about this two days ago on the show, it's hard to take too much because you're playing in NAIA school, right? But you put up 86 mm-hmm. points. Who puts up 86 points? That's a ridiculous amount. So there's a couple of things that I can take from it is for one, you're looking at the fact that they are definitely, you don't put up 86 points regardless of competition level, unless you come in completely focused because it's easy to take your gas, your foot off the gas with 50 points, but kept going and kept stopping them. But then also I tried to look a little bit deeper because I want to see what can I see from this game? Because right. yeah, I can write a competition, but that's not fair to Southern. You play who's on your schedule. And I was able right. to see that they're a very balanced team by looking at plays coming out in the first three drives. So I decided to just do a little bit of a, a breakdown, and I looked at them, right? So I said, okay, Southern, what did you do in the first drive? Well, in the first drive, four passes, four runs. Second drive, it was two plays, one pass, one run. And then the third drive, you had four passes and six runs. What you see is they're very balanced. They have a heavy no-huddle set. I'm expecting something from them, probably, which they're not going to go to the huddle a lot. For four different running backs who 
all ran for at least 70 yards. They had four or five different pass catchers, all have a reception, all put up some yardage. So just what's the best way to stop this Southern team that is able to have, you know, so many different playmakers? I feel as it's difficult because they're going in with a first year coach. This is one of the more difficult mm. pregame task that I feel as if LSU will have right now, because there's not much information. You could go back and look at Prairie View where Eric Dooley was before, and they were a pretty good mm. offense there. But for the most part, I try not to take too much there because I don't know what they're going to do. They did spread the ball around. They do have a lot of runners. And you look at Bashan, uh, Bashan McKay, or excuse me, McCray at the quarterback position who can also run the ball. It's a lot of things that I feel like LSU is going to have to play a reactionary style of football at the beginning of the game because the game tape isn't there. I don't think they'll put much stock into the Florida Memorial game because it's like that's NAIA they didn't get tested much and they kind of just ran them over so right when the first quarter happens you might see a filling out process you might see a, a decent drive out of uh Southern in the first drive but LSU is going to have to try to find a way to react to whatever Southern puts in front of them as opposed to having a preset game plan going in and to your point about Brashawn McRae, 7 of 12, 79 yards, two touchdowns against Florida Memorial. But there were also four different players who went in there and was throwing passes. Harold Blood, Glenda McDaniel, Chris Tucker had four different quarterbacks play in game one. And of course, you're going to be putting in some of your backups whenever you're up 70 or 80 points um, in your <laughs> game one. Kind of get your, your guys lower on the depth chart, some experience. But are we going to see kind of a two or three or even four quarterback system throughout the rest of the season for Southern or is, uh, is Brashawn McCroy the, the guy? I think, think he's going to be the one, as long as he continues to play up to par, I think he's going to be the guy They said he had a really good spring practice. And the only reason I believe you saw this many quarterbacks is because the game was so out of hand. You have some teams in week one where things aren't going good. And that's why you start seeing multiple quarterbacks, but this is more so because, Hey, we're up 40, 50, nothing. Like they're not catching us. You don't have to, right. we can go ahead and put two, three, four. Bring the other guys in. Because they're not catching us. Yeah, I think that's more of a result of that and, and less of a steel quarterback battle going on through the first mm -hmm. couple of weeks. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, give your backup some time, give them some reps. I respect it. But uh, I guess overall question for you is what do you think is the biggest strength and biggest weakness of the Southern team? The biggest strength is the defensive line, in my opinion. They have two of the best defensive linemen in their position, at their position in the conference. They have Jordan Lewis coming off the edge, who in 2021, in the fall, but the spring season, that weird, you know, post-COVID year uh, season, he was the Buck Buchanan Award winner for the best defensive player, not in the SWAC, not in black college football, but he was the best defensive player in the FC. So that's somebody you're definitely going to have to watch coming off the edge. And Eric Dooley came over from Prairie View and he brought, and he brought in his defensive tackle, Jason Dumas, force within the middle. So I think that right there is going to be a strength of the team. And it's probably a matchup we're going to need to watch that offensive line of LSU versus the D-line of Southern. Mm -hmm. And then the weakest position, I would have to say, is McCray. I just don't know. It's, it's a question mark for him. Um, I'm not going to call him a bad quarterback. I just, I need to see it. So he's a question mark in the way that a rookie will be a question mark where you need to see what he's going to be before you label him a strength or a weakness. And coming up next for all you Southern and SWAC fans listening, 
Darian's got some questions for me about the LSU football program, so we'll get you set for the game. We'll get a full, well-rounded look at the LSU Southern matchup coming up on Saturday. You heard what she wanted to know about Southern. Now we're about to get into what do I want to know about LSU. Before I ask those questions, however, allow me to tell you about Upside. Now, from cringing at the pump, getting that eye-popping check when you finish fueling up. Listen, you ever fill up and then just looked and said, that much? How It doesn't matter where you are now. That's the exact reaction that you get after filling up. Like, man, I just spent that much. When you're doing that, anything feels good. That $5 back feels amazing. I did that the first time I used the Get Upside app. Oh, my gosh. I got $5 back, and I was so happy. It put a nice little dent in my $60. So to get started, download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10. So then you're going to want to claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual, whatever your, it's gotta be credit or debit card, right? But then also in comparison to some of these other loyalty and rewards programs, you're going to earn three times more cash back with Upside and Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the app store. So download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That is $5 or more. Cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code LOCKED. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I have Caroline Finn Locked on LSU about the Battle of Baton Rouge. And I just kind of came up with that on the, on the fly. I don't know if there's a title for this I game. I like but- it. There, we're here. We got it. The Battle of Baton Rouge. Uh, it makes sense. Word. I like it. Today's word of the day is conciliate, meaning to make more friendly or less angry. Now, I'd be remiss. This would not be a, an HBCU podcast if I did not remind you that Southern currently has the best record in the city. Okay, let's just let's just go ahead and get that out the way. All right? Salt so in right the now, wound. Why don't you? <laughs> no, it's all love. It's all love. But... <sighs> I was watching this game against Florida State. The question, what happened to LSU being physical? It felt so wrong to watch them lose the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. When did this of the game disappear from Louisiana State, man? This isn't the LSU I grew up on. No, and this is not, it did not look like the LSU that we are all used to. And I didn't know who tweeted it out, but I saw a tweet on Sunday night that was only Brian Kelly can make LSU football look like they have no swag. And it was so true. I mean, it, 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 they looked like a team. I mean, always you can expect with LSU, with LSU football. You know, the offensive line, it's been a problem over the past, since I started covering LSU in 2016. The offensive line has never been the strength of this LSU team. Of course, you look at that 2019 team, and that was the outlier in the past six years. But it, LSU struggled recruiting, developing, and executing with their offensive linemen. But what you're always used to seeing with LSU is strong, hard-nosed defense and defensive linemen that are going to put pressure on the quarterback. They struggled on both of the other lines of scrimmage on Sunday, and that's just not what you're used to. Florida State got down the, the field with such ease. I mean, they were converting, it seemed like, almost every single third down. It's not the LSU defense that you're used to seeing. If that LSU 
offense can only put up six points, it's okay because the defense can hold their opponent to three or to none. So, yes. yeah, I mean, it it wasn't tough football. It was not physical football. It was not the identity and the reputation that you're used to seeing from LSU football. And I think overall, what because you can expect some changes, some culture changes from a new coaching staff. But I think overall I looked at it and I thought, where is this clean and business-like and very, you know, structured and disciplined style of football that we as LSU fans were promised whenever Brian Kelly came in. That was the entire point. He was the antithesis of Coach O and Les Miles, two (laughs) coaches who left the program. Really, they were very disorganized. They were in disarray. It was sloppy. It was a lot of dumb penalties. And Brian Kelly is, you know, he's a very business-like CEO approach to football. So I didn't see that in week one. And of course, it's going to take time. I mean, LSU has had either a 500 or sub 500 record the past two years. They only had 40 scholarship players in their bowl game against Kansas State in the Texas Bowl last year. So it's going to take time. But week one is very telling. You can you can learn a lot from week one. I think Georgia is going to be one of the best teams in the country because I saw what they did against Oregon in week one. I, my perception of Florida completely shifted after week one. Because they proved me wrong. And, of course, a lot of things can change. But what I saw from LSU in week one, I didn't see that discipline that we would expect to see from a Brian Kelly coach team. Of course, it's going to take time, but it doesn't feel very promising. Yeah, I can can definitely see that. When I'm looking at one of the things that will not be returning, will not save LSU, that's a a defensive tackle, Mason Smith. Mm -hmm. He went out with an ACL on a a, a devastating injury just celebrating going out like that it really did hurt me watching it but what is his on that defensive line going to do going throughout the season this week yeah I mean just first and foremost I hate to see that for any player you hate to see a player go down like that but especially a player like Mason Smith who showed so much promise in his freshman season and I really expected this to be Mason Smith's breakout season that he's not a household name yet but I thought that after this season he was going to start to be. He was really going to show people just how strong and physical he is and his ability to get to the quarterback. I mean, he's such a big guy, but he's very mobile as well. So hate to see that for any player, especially a guy with so much promise and who I was expecting a lot from this year. But one, I after every game, I say the three things I did like and the three things that I didn't like from the game. But one of the things that I did like from that game on Sunday night, I hate the circumstances, but the thing that I did like was Makai Wingo who was the player that came in when Mason Smith got injured. He came in. He's a sophomore transfer from the University of Missouri. He was an all-freshman SEC team last year. He was really the brightest spot on that Missouri defense last year, which honestly isn't saying a lot, but still. Um, <laughs> he's a heck of a player. He had six solo tackles, and he had that fumble recovery on the on the goal line that set LSU up for that big 99-yard play at the end of the – at the end of the – or an 99-yard drive at the end of the game. So – Although I hate the circumstances, I'm excited to see what Makai Wingo can do and see how he can fill in um, for Mason Smith when he's out for the season. And I think you're going to start to see that he'll be, you know, at least a a serviceable replacement. I mean, you don't lose Mason Smith and get better, but LSU at least has enough depth and talent with Makai Wingo and the rest of this defensive line unit that I think that they'll be able to at least have as much of a seamless transition as possible. That's good. One of the things that people are very concerned about, and no, we're not going to get into Instagram scrubbing. We're not going to get into pictures oh, being deleted, God. but we are going to talk about that group, and that's the wide receiver group, mm-hmm. and really just, just the the offense in general passing. You know, we expected more, right? We expected more from him than mm-hmm. two catches and seemingly a little bit lack of concentration. But 
Yeah. The passing game, how much of this is going to go on the wide receivers, how much on the quarterback, and how much on the offensive line just not protecting, really see what the quarterback and wide receiver can be in that game? I think they're all culpable. The wide receiver unit, more so Kayshawn Booty, and I'll get into that, but the offensive line unit and also Jaden Daniels. But one thing that I didn't, a narrative that I didn't want to continue to see to perpetuate on LSU Twitter and in LSU fan spaces is that Jaden Daniels was the problem because yeah. he wasn't. Maybe he contributed to a little bit of the, the, the slow offensive start in the first half because Jaden Daniels dropped back and instead of, you know, sitting back in the pocket, going through his progressions and entertaining throwing the ball, he just dropped back and just immediately jet off. And Honestly, I kind of expected that from Jaden Daniels, at least in the beginning, because he is such a talented runner. He's a run-first quarterback. Um, right. But I wanted to see him drop back a little bit more and feel a little bit more confident and throw the ball a little bit more. I thought, you, you know, you're not going to win any games. I don't care if you're playing, you know, an NAIA opponent, and I don't care if you're playing Alabama. You're not going to win very many games just by running the football, by being a one-dimensional offense. So I wanted to see more from Jaden Daniels because all we've heard of in practice is he was hitting guys on long bombs, long throws. I want to see his arm talent. I want to see his, his passing ability. So that was one thing. But really, that offense wouldn't have been able to get anything done without Jaden Daniels being able to extend plays with his legs and being able to escape the pressure because it all came down to the offensive line. The offensive line wasn't stopping anything on Sunday. Jaden Daniels was under constant pressure, so I don't blame him necessarily for, you know, diverting to his legs. But I look at, you know, the, the pass catching core as an entire unit and the outlier is Keishon Booty. And you would think, you know, with what, being lauded as one of the top wide receivers in the country, you know, a top five projected pick, that he'd be an outlier for a good reason. But it absolutely was not. I mean, Kishan Booty was two of six for 20 yards. I look at Dre Jenkins, Brian Thomas, Mason Taylor. Dre Jenkins caught five of the five, five of five targets with 46 yards and two touchdowns. That last touchdown drive, you know, to almost tie the game 24-23 to cut that lead. That was Dre Jenkins. Brian Thomas. Five of five. He had two really clutch receptions and a really clutch first down in that 99-yard drive at the end of the game. And Mason Taylor, a true freshman tight end, five of six for 42 yards, and he set up that final touchdown. So that pass-catching unit, they were doing their job. No, they weren't getting targeted very often because Jaden Daniels wasn't throwing the ball very often. But when they were targeted, they caught the ball, and they were able to move the ball downfield. Tayshaun Booty was not. You know, he did have a big first down in that last 99-yard drive. Um, I think he just needed to settle in a little bit because he was dropping balls. You know, there was one where he was targeted near the goal line. There was two defenders, and Jaden Daniels threw a nice pass in traffic, and his eyes were looking at the field. He just wasn't yeah. looking up. So he wasn't – he was not a, a, a contributing factor by any means for LSU on Sunday. And while I think that's a little bit concerning – that, you know, we all expect Keishawn Booty to be the, the backbone of this pass-catching core. We also have to remember that Keishawn Booty missed a majority of last season, and this is his first game back. And all the talk about him in the offseason has been hyping him up so much. And with all the pressure of the game, I do wonder how much of it was just, you know, big game jitters, that he just got the yips. Um, yep. You can't do that. You, you're, you, as a, you know, a top wide receiver on a team like LSU, you can't have games like that. Um, but I do expect I big things from Keishawn Booty moving forward. And it is very reassuring to see that if Keishawn Booty can't get it done, well, you got several other receivers and tight ends that can get it done as well. And then lastly, before we get out of here and go to talking about, you know, just the discussion side, 
sad. I think that a lot of people sit there in the end of the game was so heartbreaking, but LSU actually mm-hmm. touchdowns on their last three offensive possessions, you know, pretty stagnant to start the game. Is this mm-hmm. a sign of the LSU offense you think we come to see or making that statement? Is that just kind of too much of a jump? We need to wait and see on that side of things. I think it's going to take some time. And I think mm-hmm. it all comes down to the offensive line because Garrett Dellinger, it's his first year starting at center. He's had some issues snapping the ball in practice. And we saw that on Sunday night. We saw a few bad snaps from Garrett Dellinger. I think it's going to take time for him to settle in. And I think it's going to take time for him to get used to these new responsibilities that he's been given. I think it's also going to take Will Campbell, the starting left tackle. He's a true freshman. He's 18 right. years old. It's <laughs> going to take him time to settle in. And I think this unit as a whole just needs time to learn each other, to learn Jaden Daniels, to get a good grasp on the game. Because they've got four new players on that line. Four of five are all new players that have never played together before. So I do think it's going to take time. And But I do think, to your question, you know, which is it? Is it the LSU offense that couldn't get anything moving? Or is it the LSU offense that was able down, to move down the field in a minute and a half? I do think the truth lies there somewhere in the middle. But I think it all comes down to the offensive line. And are they going to be able to give a little bit more protection up front? Because they're only going to start seeing more difficult and more physical defensive line as they get later into the season. And as we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we are going to talk to Caroline. We're not done. We're still detailing the Battle of Baton Rouge, and we're going to see what does each other expect from the other's team. Got a little crossover Thursday, a little crossover episode, Locked on LSU and Locked on HBCU. We're previewing the LSU Southern matchup on Saturday in Tiger Stadium. And it's so cool to say that because this is is a historic matchup between LSU and Southern. I mean, Southern is just a hop and a skip down I-10. It only makes sense that these teams are going to face each other. And I think it's a big thing for the state of Louisiana as a whole, to have these in-state matchups, that LSU plays Southern, that LSU plays, you know, Northwestern State, that you can keep a lot of the football fans in-state and you get to explore a lot of that. So I think that's really cool, just from the LSU side of things, to be able to, you know, to play all the rest of these these teams in Louisiana and keep all the talent in Louisiana in the state. But to Southern, on the Southern side of things, what does this, this matchup mean and represent between LSU and Southern? I think that the best way to to summing up in one word it feels like baton rouge just lsu and southern never played it, it feels mm-hmm. crazy to say that i would be interested yeah. to know some of the uh schools in louisiana that lsu has never played but to know that southern was on this list i think is, is kind of strange and it's just kind of it's a unit man this is baton rouge coming together you have what they're like mm-hmm. 10 minutes apart i think so now it's the whole city and everybody's showing up everybody's showing out to one place man the, the atmosphere I want to say ideally Sanders. That's that's my guy. He's the game. best. He's, Friend he of the, is the greatest. He's the he's the greatest. But unfortunately, you should come out. Uh, they had a game not about an hour from me, so I ended up going there and getting credentials for that game. But man, the environment is just going to be crazy. Entire stadium, and it's something that I will forever envy that I'm not able to take a part of. But man, it's going to be something to watch. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm I'm with you. I would love to make it to Baton Rouge for that game. I mean, just, I mean, all, take the game away from it, the atmosphere, right. everything else, the tailgating, the hype up all week, because I know in all so many workplaces and schools, there might be fans of LSU and Southern, and some people might be fans of both schools themselves. So just like a, a really cool marriage. And like you said, it's a battle of Baton Rouge, and it's a city that you know, unfortunately, has experienced so much heartbreak over the past few years of, of flooding and hurricanes and the the sense of community in Baton Rouge and neighbors helping neighbors. It's it's there and it's palpable. So it's fun to kind of see those two worlds colliding and for the community to be able to, you know, be on two sides, but also come together for this game as well. Yeah, definitely. And something I'm looking for on the football field. I think there's an immense amount of pressure on Brian Kelly to not only beat Southern because we all expect them to beat Southern. So I think mm -hmm. that is the, the truth of the matter. They need to put it on Southern. They need to blow mm -hmm. Southern out because the big difference in week one is, well, Brian Kelly came out and lost to Florida State. Billy Napier, he came out and beat Utah. And there's a lot a of people. That, it's a statement game, a statement mm -hmm. win. And there's a lot of people who appear to be the coach of LSU. And there's a lot of people who even before the games happened, we're upset that it wasn't going to be the case. I think that Kelly needs to, he needs to blow Southern out because mm -hmm. I mean, it's not going to lose him his job or anything, but Hey man, we just seen the, the, the reporters say, maybe if you want, I'll be on time. And, and even Kelly, he tried to, you know, big manner and just, well, be $10 in a pot and this, that, and somebody needs to conciliate uh, Brian Kelly. I told you he was going to drop that word in here. But uh, somebody needs nice. to conciliate Brian, and it needs to be in the form of a blowout victory. Because I don't, I, I think that's one storylines coming into this game that they got to win in a certain fashion. Absolutely, and I, I, I looked at the Florida State game as that potentially being a massive statement for Brian Kelly, either one way or another. You beat Florida State in New Orleans. And you start out your tenure one and zero, not against a cupcake, but against a, a really solid, you know, power five opponent in Florida State. That's a statement. You go out there and you know you drop an egg against Florida State in your own backyard after all this talk in the offseason, after that massive contract that you were just given, a hundred million dollar contract, and you start the season zero and one. There's already been a lot of questions and you know just you know, misconceptions about Brian Kelly around LSU in the offseason, and that would have been the biggest statement. But now the rumors continue. Now the questions continue at 0-1. And if you cannot get, have a statement win against Southern, a team that LSU should beat. LSU yeah. should beat Southern, and LSU should beat Southern handedly. So if you, you want to put a bet those, on it? Let's do it. What's the, what's the, I let's see. 35. I, I saw 35 and I saw 45. I, I don't know which one it was. I also don't know what we would put on it. See, I'll pull but it up. If the, if the, 35 if the points, I would do, 45 might be a little bit too rich for my blood. Let's split it down the middle, call it 40. 40? LSU minus 40? Yeah, I'm taking Southern with the points. We're not, like, we're not losing by more than 40 on this side. I'll take my Tigers going 40. I don't know. I don't, I'll, I'll try and pull What's, it up, but... um. But they need to win. I mean, it needs right, to be. A, off, it's going to be a statement win. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah we'll keep everyone updated. Yeah, we'll send you a tweet, a, a little reminder. But um, but yeah, I mean, it needs to be a statement win. And I I think another big thing for me too is, can you make those adjustments week over week? Can you make those yeah. changes? 
does the offensive line look more comfortable? Does Jaden Daniels look more comfortable? Are there dumb, silly mistakes that you made week one that you have fixed or they've started to fix into week two? Because if you can't fix them against Southern, you can't fix them against Alabama. So it only gets tougher from there. That's true. Um, let's let's go with what our matchup, our key matchup to watch is before we get out of here. For me personally, is the defensive line of the offensive line of LSU. You texted me mm-hmm. before this talking about just the idea of HBCUs playing more PWIs. Yeah. And I told you I spoke about it on my uh, podcast just yesterday on Wednesday's episode. There are going to, there are going to be so many LSU game, if only to see the wide receivers, right? <laughs> because they have talent. Jordan Lewis and Jason Dumas can get themselves so much money. Dimitri Morrison, well, we're talking about the defensive line, so we'll stick there. But Jason Dumas and Jordan are two players who can really earn themselves a lot of money. And I think that's going to be key because we saw the offensive line of LSU be an issue. And Mm -hmm. I believe that one of the perceived strengths, which is what I said is the defensive line. So now you're going on strength versus weakness. And that's my Mm -hmm. key, not maybe the victory, but just key in the ball game. What about you? I I think you bring up a very fair point, and that was going to be mine as well. It was a defensive line against the offensive line. And I think there's an element here, too, that these Southern players are going to want to to come into Tiger Stadium and make a statement because they're not going into this game saying it's going to be a 40-point difference. They want to go win to LSU's LSU's house in front of their family and friends, in front of the city that they live in and they play in. They're going to want to make a statement. So I think that these defensive linemen specifically are going to be hungry seeing how the offensive line was such an uh, such a weakness of this LSU team and so much of LSU's woes on Sunday night against Florida State were all due to the offensive line. You know, that field goal doesn't get blocked and that extra punt does, extra point doesn't get blocked if the offensive line can just block. So I think the, the Southern defensive linemen Ugh. look at this offensive line and just are, you know, licking their lips and, you know, rubbing their hands together saying, okay, we want to make a statement here. And that's, you know, LSU's biggest weakness, their biggest hole. But I think, you know, I look at this matchup and I think it's it's an interesting one, too, with two first-year head coaches. Two, two first-year head yeah. coaches that are looking to also make statements themselves who, you know, they want a positive reputation in the city of Baton Rouge, in college football as a whole, and in their respective conferences. So I think this two first-year head coach matchup is going to be interesting to see kind of their play calling and their, you know, them as tacticians, how they kind of let they see this game play out. Yeah, definitely. If Eric Dooley can lose his game or even get if this game is close going into the fourth quarter or even midway, let's say midway through the third, late third. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Eric Dooley is about to get so much love from the city. I, oh, I, I genuinely believe that to be the case. This is and that, that's, that's something be a, I'll be watching, too. For sure. And that's if that is the case, that's going to be a lot of conversation is what, what's Brian Kelly doing? You know, you can't if you can't win these games or you can't make statements, then. You know, that's a serious that's a serious problem and a serious question because the the question starts to become, well, you got Mississippi State next week, so if you're struggling putting points up against Southern or stopping Southern, you know what looks to be a very high powered and up tempo offense, you're not going to be able to stop Mississippi State either. So I think those are all really interesting things to look at. Definitely, and guys, make sure you are following uh, Caroline Finn. Go ahead and hit the the uh, the third the lower third so everybody can see your uh, Twitter. All below. right. And make sure you guys right, are at Carolina Fenton one. Right there. You guys see it. Uh, you know, I've never been great at pointing at it. So you guys can see it down below. But yes, please follow her. She's putting up some great content. One of the locked on podcasts that I do listen to on a consistent basis. I appreciate that. Me coming on there. You, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. And Darian, I 
you do great work. I really appreciate what you do with Lockdown HBCU. Where can all the LSU fans out there find you? You can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. I don't have the lower third, but at South Exclusives is where you can find me on Twitter or Locked on HBCU. We just hit the thousand mark, so we're excited nice. about that over here. Congratulations. Thank Only you. up Thank from here. You. And Only up indeed, from here. indeed. Cool. We're looking forward to the LSU Southern matchup on Saturday. Darian Gray, Locked on HBCU. Appreciate you. Thank you. First crossover in the books, Locked on LSU Appreciation to Caroline Fenton for extending that opportunity. But I also want to say thank you to every single one of you who have subscribed to the channel. For those who have not subscribed to the channel, go ahead and do it now. I'm reminding you, this right here is your call to subscribe. Go ahead and do that. For everyone that has done it, I want to say thank you because quite literally, I would not be at 1,000 subscribers if it was not for you. So, Thank you, and I do appreciate it. Make us your first listen of the day tomorrow as well as we detail our game of the week, Tennessee State versus Jackson State. We're going to have three matchups, two storylines, and a key to victory. So make sure you guys are looking out for that. Now, make sure you guys are also checking out the Ultimate College, or excuse me, Pro Football Preview. The season starts today. Rams bills today. So make sure you're checking this out. Just make sure you're looking up ultimate pro football um, preview 2022 on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.